0: Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the How We Interview podcast. In this installment, I talked to my good friend, Heather Lesowitz. She's a recurring marketing manager at Canagra Brands. I've known Heather six, maybe seven years. Uh, that, that friendship is based on a lot of knowledge sharing. Uh, she's very open and kind uh, in sharing her expertise and her background. Her background super fascinating. I'm, I'm not going to ruin it. So you'll have to listen to hear more about that. She's also an amazing follow on LinkedIn. Uh, she's very generous with her time, and she's her insights are just unbelievable. So I, I encourage you to listen to the rest of this episode, learn what some of what Heather has to share, and follow her on LinkedIn. So with that, enjoy. Thank you for joining. Thank you for joining the Howie Interview Podcast. I'm going to start just like this, Heather. We're just going to laugh through this whole thing. Uh, I I say this all the time. Um, I get to have one of my really good friends in this. Base, uh, Heather Lezowitz from Conagra Brand, Brands, Brands? It's brands. 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 Is it Brands? Yep. Okay. All right. Um, we've, we've been, uh, we were um, former co board members at the Town Brand Alliance. That's how we met. Uh, we've hung out. We've had drinks. We've solved all the problems of the world. Uh, <laughs> and we spent a lot of time talking about TV shows and movies. And so I think that is a really good place to start. I would love it if you could talk about your background because it's not, I don't know a lot of people that have done what you have done. So I think everybody would love to hear it.
1: Sure. So yeah, I'm one of the weird people who made it into the world of employment brand and recruitment marketing by way of journalism. Uh, So I started out my career as a journalist uh, working for... The Chicago Sun-Times, the Chicago Tribune, and then um, a magazine at one point. Um, but I bounced around journalism for 10 years. Literally, when I say I'm like bounced around, it's like I literally went Sun-Times Tribune, Sun-Times Tribune. Um, so it's a little little weird, uh, but I was part of, I don't know if I'd call it a test or like a, a trial run of hyper journalism. So it's basically sort of focusing on suburban um, locations uh, and trying to get like the really, the really local news all the way up to, you know, what's happening in the bigger cities. Uh, so like I was going to things like pet blessings and library events and also covering crime and, and other things that are really important to communities. And you know, lifelong suburbanite uh, of the Chicago area uh, it was important to me to know what was happening in community. Um, but then, you know, journalism is not the most stable environment. And I uh, made my way into employer brand and recruitment marketing. But, like, you know, I'm going into eight years of this. Like, it's still a newer niche uh, in marketing and communications and talent acquisition and HR, wherever it sits. Um so it's been fun
0: learning that and growing. Yeah, and you've you've worked with some really interesting brands, and um, and and it's it's crazy to me how how quickly because we've known each other six seven years, and like I remember very clearly the first time I met you, and I'm like Heather really knows her shit. Um, like how quickly you you got I won't say comfortable, but acclimated to this the hiring space and the employer brand recruitment marketing. I mean. I'd love to hear, like, when when you were starting, were you like, yeah, actually, some of this work is very aligned to what I did in the previous, like, even though on paper it doesn't, no pun intended, and on paper it didn't feel that way.
1: I think the way the way that I sort of looked at it when I was trying to figure out my next move from, from journalism, I was trying to find something that had transferable skills, like what, what could use my current skills, and I applied uh, to different things on whims, and so uh my last company was a global insurance broker uh which is very interesting like to to just go to that space um but basically my boss at the time or when she took a leap of faith on me um cuz she's basically like look you know all the marketing and journalism and like how to build a website that's what we need i can teach you the recruiting aspect of it um and that just worked really well. And like, I'm, I'm what's known as a solo town brander. So like I do this by myself and sort of like allows me to sort of lead the way and like strategize and figure out what's going to work for what I'm working on. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think a journalism background, a content background like that is helpful because you're trying to write to a specific audience. And it just, again, you can bring that over into employer brand and recruitment marketing.
0: So at the end of the day, I guess, at the risk of oversimplifying, you're telling a story, right? You, mm-hmm. your employer Brand at its very core is telling a story about what it means to work somewhere. Um, do you, given your background, you know, have you ever gotten in a situation? It's a hard hitting question. I'm curious because I've been put in a situation where, like, you're being told to portray the brand as one thing when in reality, you know, it really isn't.
1: don't think i've ever been put in a situation like that where like i'm really like oh no yeah we can't do that because because i think part of it is like i think with employer brand and recruitment marketing you are really trying to stay true to it um because Glassdoor exists indeed exists google reviews twitter like or x whatever we're calling it these days but like real people's experiences are already out there so like you can't sugarcoat everything. It's not going to stand true, and people are going to get in and go like, "Oh no, you learned that. like that's a lie. That was fraud." And I don't think that that's something that I've ever been put in the situation
0: to be like, "No, <laughs> like yeah. that, that, that's just not correct." So on yeah. the flip side, on the flip side of the coin, uh, you know, I, I've, I've been thinking a lot about this lately, especially because the market is so. Like supply and demand has completely been flipped on its head. Mm-hmm. Like how much of a part does repelling talent play in employer brand these days? Like, and I don't mean that in a bad way, it's more a matter of like education and how do you create value alignment to helping people understand, like, this place is great for a lot of people, maybe not you, but this place mm-hmm. is great. Um,
1: I really do think it like, it does still play a part because like especially you know, I'm in the manufacturing space and consumer product uh, goods and and stuff like that. It's, people should know, like if if they're not going to like it. And I really do want to put it out there, especially like if they're working an hourly role where they're going to be in their feet the whole time, they're going to work in cold environments. Like they should know that. And I do want to put that up front because like, I don't want to waste their time. And, you know, they wouldn't want to waste our time because like then we'll have to think about replacing. So making sure that they know up front is really important so that it preps them to so that they're not going like, Oh, this was, I don't want this.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Since we're talking about your current role, I'd love, Mm -hmm. can you share like what are the personas you're hiring for? Like the big buckets of roles that are really common at Conagra.
1: So at Conagra, we, we, have a lot of hourly plant workers uh so we've got manufacturing plants across the u.s uh canada and mexico uh that produce you know brands like slim gym or ready whip um healthy choice i'm like i could keep rattling them on um and then we've got two corporate locations so Our headquarters is in chicago and yep. uh we also have a big presence in uh omaha nebraska uh which is where uh, a lot of us got its start. Um, we've got a big campus there. Um, so, and then we also have early talent that that goes across the different chains, but we've got supply chain, we've got, you know, professional roles, uh, brand managers, um, and, you know, th- those are sort of like personas, uh, you know, it's, it's normal corporate roles, and then it's the uh, roles of, you know, Are you putting together sandwiches in a plant? Are you working with some of our uh, meat products? Um, It can really depend, popcorn, so on. Uh,
0: You know, I mean, this is probably something eight years in your role, you you probably don't even have to think about anymore, but it is very, if you're not working in this space, creating messaging that aligns to your overarching brand, but speaks Mm -hmm. to people that work in a plant, people that are maybe brand managers or maybe people that work in finance or what have you.
1: Yeah. And and it's sort of really figuring out what will speak to that person who will, who will be attracted to the role. So yes, I do believe in, you know, really using our employer value messaging um, and really sort of putting it out there. I think for what I do with ConAgra, you know, we don't have a brand that is specifically ConAgra, like a product that you would, you would, think about so it's also making sure that they know look some like I tell everyone you have at least one of our products in your pantry or your freezer or your fridge mm-hmm. and then it's sort of that connection making the connection of ConAgra produces, produces these things and so we have an impact on like the food that people have in their homes and um I tell the story about how like I didn't know that we produce uh open pit barbecue sauce and I'm like that's my barbecue sauce like okay. <laughs> that's what we use. And I didn't know until I was in the door um, about that. So it's sort of making those connections for people um, and make them want to work here um, or choose not to, like if it's not the right fit for them.
0: It's an interesting thing. I've struggled with this in my day job now currently actually is how do you create awareness around a a primary brand when that's Mm -hmm. not on the packaging, you know, like, how how in my fear is 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 you know, worst case scenario, somebody hears about Conagra brands and then they they or or no, not Ready Whip. Well, not Ready Whip. We are <laughs> hot chocolate, hot chocolate season. Somebody, somebody uh, wants to work for Ready Whip, right? And then they look for what Ready Whip jobs, and then they end up on the Conagra site. And how do you draw mm-hmm. those images to create that awareness? And and honestly, I will take notes because I'm struggling with this right now.
1: So it's something that I have been doing. So like again, Solo Town Brander. Um a lot of this is me putting it together and I'm like actually building graphics or uh taking photos. So like some of this is uh I was taking photo. Thank thank goodness for interns, because I, I was taking photos of them and they were w- willing participants in a photo shoot, but like I had our packaging, our products. Um and uh, I'm having, I'm taking photos of them, holding like stacks of them or cans and things like that. And I, I plan on doing more of that, uh, but it's because then we can put the Conagra logo next to all of them. So it's like, it's in your brain that they're tied together. Um, also as part of our employer brand, we do have a logo background that has some of our uh, popular uh, brands in there. But again, trying to keep it with the Conagra logo so that's. There and in con- making the connections, even if it's it's subtle, like I want to make sure that we're putting things front and center for people to to see.
0: Yeah, because if you leave it to them to figure it out, mm-hmm. they may or may not, or if they or they or they could, you know, they could attach it to some other brand. So, I mean, at the end of the day, you. It, it's kind of your burden to to do you, you've always done an amazing job with content I've, I've always appreciated the content you put together I I wish I was better at it to be honest with you but content's a really funny thing like we look at our peers across different organizations and there's some that have no content
1: mm-hmm. whatsoever
0: and there's some that have too much of the wrong content or it just doesn't resonate or you can tell like we were talking about earlier like that's a lie that's not how it goes there and then there's this really authentic content that you've been able to curate and do a really nice job with especially when you work for i don't know if you ever call yourself like a house of brands but essentially a house of brands right mm-hmm. um love to hear your thoughts on like the importance of content and like in your head when you're starting to create a plan for like what your your content rollout's going to be what kind of things you're thinking of
1: So I'm I'm glad that you're saying such nice things because I'm like, I don't feel like I have enough content, but it's also, again, I can only produce so much at a certain time. Um, But I I sort of, we think about a recruitment marketing and employer brand like calendar. And it's the same way that I would have approached journalistic works. Like I'm, I'm just like, this is my editorial calendar. So let me plan for this so that at least I can give myself time to build it time to, you know, figure out what I can and can't do. Um, And then I just need willing participants sometimes because, like, I I love uh, Instagram takeovers or I love testimonials that people can, like, give me. Um, And I try to make things a little bit easier for myself as well by, you know, introducing forms that people can just, like, fill out. And then I know they're willing participants or just... um, if someone raises their hand and be like, Hey, I'd love to like do something. I'm like, I will put a pin in that. And like, you will hear from me because you shouldn't offer if you don't really want to participate. But I always make sure that, you know, I'm also giving back to them as well. Whether it's like, let me look over your LinkedIn profile. Let me give you a different PowerPoint slide. (laughs) Let me help you in some way uh, so that it's not just like me taking. But I do, I do like a plan. Like, so like, I don't like putting something out there without thinking about it. And whether it's my home posts or posts that like I'm planning months in advance, I'm like, I want to sit there and think about the words that we're using and the hashtags and making sure we can track things with UTM codes and so forth.
0: Yeah. I mean, very intentional, obviously, you know, super strategic instead of, I think we've all seen people just like, just throw it out there, you know, and. How did that? How did that post perform? Or, or please tell me what's working best and why. And they're like, i are like, I got no idea. I got no idea. That's <laughs> um, fascinating. So you're you're a team of one. You pretty much always been a solo talent brander. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of it's kind of your thing at this point.
1: Hopefully not all forever. Let's we'll, we'll just let us put that on in the universe. But also, I'm like, I'm probably going to cut that part. Um, <laughs>
0: In case Heather's boss is listening, Um, (laughs) she would love some help. Uh, But but it's a really good point. Like my first two years uh, working um, at Wells, I I was solo, like 100%. And it's very different. And on the flip side, I've worked on just massive teams where I had people whose entire role was to do this thing that was like something I always had the back of my mind that I can never get to, right? So I guess Mm -hmm. Knowing they're very, very different jobs, could you ever see yourself in a situation where you had a talent brand team of a dozen? Heaven forbid.
1: I don't think I could ever picture a dozen. Like that's that's too many.
0: Um, well, then that's you. You were asking the question I was going to ask you. Is is there a thing, such thing as too much?
1: I don't know. Like that's the thing. Being a t- team of one, it's hard to picture even a team of two or, or three, I think it just depends on how much work and how big the company is. um, And what's being asked of you. Uh, And yeah, 12, 12 is just like, really? Like, what, what do you do? Like what do you do all day?
0: (laughs) Yeah. And and I I could, I would argue that, I mean, who knows, right? Everybody's different. I mean, Amazon's probably got dozens and dozens and dozens of people doing this work, but they also have more than a million employees. So probably depends on the company. I, I do think there's also some people that are really good at empire building and they've got, I have places I have left now, the team's exponentially larger than when I was there and good for them for getting, getting theirs. Right. Um, we're at the end of the year, like new year, new you. Right. Uh, I, I, I talked to our friend, Alex, her about this as well. Like, Two part question. One is like looking at 2023, what are you most proud of? And then the second part of that question is, what's like on your punch list for 2024? What What are the things that that Heather needs to fix going into the new year? Are, you, are we just talking about work? <laughs> we can, no, you know what, we can, because you know I'm going to ask you the question about Malort. So uh, we can talk about whatever <laughs> you want to talk about.
1: We're doing a launch of our international web pages by the end of this year, beginning, beginning of the this, beginning of 2024. Um, so I've been thinking in Spanish and French um, and I'm not bilingual <laughs> um, but it's, I've been working with some great teams and collaborating with them to get those launched um, onto our website. Um, I've been rebranding uh, a bunch of materials that like I wanna give t- as collateral to uh candidates. Um I've also like taken like small little joys. Like we have like little keychains that have some of our products on them. Mm-hmm. And so I've been collecting them all while also like people are requesting more. So like I have to make I have to go put them in uh to our vendor to be like, hey, can you make this this product into a keychain?
0: I love that. That's It's awesome. fun. It's fun. It. Like On a ready web keychain, but anyway, so it, it, okay, so it brings up an interesting point. I obviously have no agenda today, and this is normally how our conversations go. But when when you're writing content that's brand specific for different brands, Mm
2: -hmm. does each
0: one have its own tone and message, or is it all kind of Canagraized? You can trademark that word and kind of pulled through.
1: So that's the thing. I'm not really writing brand specific for recruiting okay um because there are plants that work on multiple products uh our brand teams are more uh like grocery and snacks and uh frozen they're not brand specific
0: so it's like the verticals not Mm -hmm. not. Uh, okay that's fascinating okay
1: Okay.
2: And all of our brands link over to the main ConAgra Career site. This episode of How We Interview is brought to you by Riembi. You understand the importance of maximizing your team's efficiency. Instead of having your recruiters or coordinators spend time with expense reports to reimburse candidates for interview expenses, automate the process with Reembe. Reembe streamlines the reimbursement process, ensuring your candidates receive their reimbursement quickly and accurately. Your team can focus on other essential aspects of the hiring process by eliminating reimbursement tasks from their workload. Automating reimbursements is a significant improvement to the candidate experience. No more dealing with spreadsheets, attaching receipts to emails, or waiting weeks to receive the payout. With Reimbi, the reimbursement payout to your candidates is sent the same day expenses are approved. To learn more about how Reimbi can help your team, visit reimbi.com. That's Reambi, R-E-I-M-B-I dot com.
0: Okay. Okay. In terms of, I guess, outlook. In terms of volume, I mean, obviously your organization is growing. Mm-hmm. Would you Say you're growing, you know, equal to or greater than kind of what the job market will provide. Are you seeing a lack of supply for your demand? How's that? How's that looking for you all? And if if it's one way or the other, what are you doing to to combat that?
1: So I'm going to say I can't answer that question.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's okay.
1: That's okay. Um- so I'm just like, let's back, let's back away from that one. But uh, it, it, cause I don't know. And it also, it's, we're not a centralized team for recruiting. Mm-hmm. So it's hard for me to like gauge that. Cause like what's happening at this thing is not going to happen at this thing.
0: And, right.
1: So like, I can't predict. Um, it's not where like in insurance you're doing workforce planning and you're like, you know, exactly how many you're going to need. Like, yeah hourly is not exactly like that corporate we run lean
0: so yeah every, i think everybody does especially now, right but it's interesting and the reason i asked the question i'm just fascinated because like you see the job reports and mm-hmm. if i want like 10 everybody i know is at work right or it but then you look at the job reports and we're adding jobs and i'm like well we're adding them somewhere i'm guessing a lot of them are being added in your plants right or mm-hmm. or in, in industries much like, much like yours. And, and um, it's a compelling story to tell. Cause if you, you know, if, if your whole gauge of what the job market is like is what you read on LinkedIn, which it's not, but it can be important um, mm-hmm. to know there's other organizations out there that are growing and doing really well.
1: Yeah. I think it also just, you have to realize the LinkedIn audience is not, it is very corporate focused.
2: Yeah.
1: Like I'm like, Hourly people aren't normally on LinkedIn. Like that's just they're not the, the right market for that. While they're while you know you're seeing you're seeing what techs doing, you're seeing what uh, different like HR and TA are doing on there. Um, we have to make sure that we're looking at the right audiences. Yeah. In uh, you know, Facebook, Instagram, those would be more of the hourly crew. Um, so. I'm not sure if they're talking about it the same way as like someone putting up the the open to work banner is over here.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that a million dollar idea that like we create the hourly version of LinkedIn? That's like a $10 idea probably. But
1: I don't know. Because I, I, I think, I don't think that they're as into talking about it. Like a lot of corporate, because I think a lot of the corporate, they want to be influencers. Yeah.
0: You're you're being kind. I know what you want to say. You're like because because hourly workers aren't as insufferable as salaried influencer wannabes. Is that it?
1: <laughs> you were making this unusable. I'm just gonna say I'm like, oh. <laughs> oh, we are treading in a territory that I'm
0: like, uh oh. <laughs> it is. It is like it. It, it is a thing. And here we are. We're, we're going to talk about it. We don't have to, we can always edit it out, but we can talk about because um when you're consuming content, and I, LinkedIn has a purpose, right? Mm-hmm. Better or for worse, it's, it's a thing. And when you're consuming content, it's really interesting to say, what, one every four, one every six, one every eight. I, I'm not sure they're doing anything other than serving their brand.
2: And
1: when you're talking about their brand, you're talking about their personal brand. Like, I think that when it comes to influencing or we're talking about corporate posting and influencers. Like I've been on Reddit and like I follow the anti-work movement or posts. Like I think that's that's where they do for for hourly or for you know the the entry level to lower um management level. Like they're they're gathering in places. There are places that people are gathering to talk about these things. Um, I think it's just the content is going to differ depending on where you're at so you've got corporate linkedin or corporate tiktoks that are giving you advice on how to break into the corporate world or you know espousing on like (laughs) the the crazy sort of like oh i hired this person because of this um where you've got you know the just regular work talk uh or the reddit posts about you know actual experiences and sometimes you see that spilling over into Indeed reviews or Glassdoor reviews and it's really just going to depend on who's reading what and how tapped into just the internet you are just to know that there is a difference between all of that and there's you know there's the different groups on Facebook versus Instagram versus x slash Twitter slash TikTok even Tumblr and and medium like you can keep going to all the different social networks to see who's where the messaging is varied Mm -hmm. um there's still influencers everywhere though
0: and i mean so long as you're using your power for good not evil who who am i to say I, i just and I think given your background, or uh, maybe it's a question, not really a statement, mm-hmm. but given your background, you're you're probably A, more well-read than most. And two, if you don't have an answer, you know where to find it. Like researching is kind of in your bones. So nobody, I, I'm going to guess that I don't know a lot of people that can get to the bottom of something as quickly as you can, because you know where to find the information. I don't know if like job seekers, like if they're applying to a brand, maybe they they're not aware of some difficulties they've had or... Some drama that they've had internally, and and maybe they looked on Glassdoor, but even Glassdoor is kind of scrubbed and polished in some ways. You know, do they have the resources or the I don't know, maybe the interest even to find out? You know, kind of the hard hitting facts, what it means to work somewhere.
1: Yeah, I, I think it really just depends on again how much how how much you want to dig into something.
0: Yeah,
1: if something really intrigues me or that or I want to know absolutely. I'm going to dig. I'm going to Google, I'm going to use different hashtags and and look, look up things. Um, And, you know, part of what I'm doing is business intelligence. I want to know what people are saying and then how they feel about different things. And if they're, if that can help me and aid me in what I'm doing, more power, like, and, you know, it's just as I know that they're like, there are people who don't want to be on TikTok. There are people who don't want to be on social media in general who do only rely on Google or they don't even have a LinkedIn profile. Like people do find out their news in different ways or the, the little tidbits they want to know in different ways. Um, But, you know, we consume so much on a daily basis and it it depends on if you just like go surface level or you want to dig. Yeah.
0: Hundred percent, hundred percent. You gotta reverse engineer that to see what your overall state of your brand is, right?
1: Yeah, I I've, it's the same. Like we we have the saying in employer brand that like you have an employer brand even even if you don't invest in it, mm-hmm. but also you as a person have a personal brand even if you don't really invest in it. Um, and I, I say that in some of my like talent brand ambassador boot camps that I do for for different employees and, and groups. um, that like your personal brand is not just your profiles. It's like how you show up in person, how you show up on a video call or or an audio call. Um, it's how you show up in your daily life. Like that's your brand.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of brand, Yes. I, I mentioned Malort earlier and, and, and uh, I, I will let you discuss what it is. It's, is it a holiday type thing? I mean we had it in March in Austin, Texas. But I mean is it is it something that's normally consumed around the holidays? No. It's a nope. daily thing. <laughs> um <laughs> so for people who don't know,
1: me, hold on. We're we're going to It's not a daily <laughs> thing for me. Um, so Malort uh, is a Chicago thing. Sometimes it's known like Chicago handshake, like you'll see anyone from Chicago or even the Burbs, because I'm like, people are gonna, if they're from Chicago, they they go like you live in the Burbs. Fully accept that. Uh, but it's a Chicago liquor that uh has fans and has haters. Um it has a very interesting taste.
0: What what's the and, taste profile? Like if you had to compare it to something.
1: Um I don't have an actual description because, like, again, it can really depend on who's tasting it. But I'm like, there's some mystery to it if you've never had it before. And, like, you have to decide what that flavor is yourself.
0: True. I, I don't have a bottle in my home. I will get some. But I've had it one and only time. I compare it to... um and the reason I bring it up is I work. I worked for a Chicago-based company for a minute, and we were planning an offsite, and they're like, "Well, we'll all have to, we'll all have to toast with malort." And I'm like, "Oh my god, I've talked to Heather about this because, <laughs> like, you're the only person I know, but it makes sense coming from Chicago." So in in Croatian culture, there's something called rakia, and rak- rakia is basically a liqueur made from a lot of things, but grass clippings may be one of them, and it is. <laughs> A color that you would assume distilled grass clippings would look like, and it tastes terrible. And we drink exactly. it like crazy because it's it's part of the thing. It part of it part of comes with what's being you know, Croatian. I, I consider like every culture or geography has their thing. We talked about old style earlier, which looks like liquid death cans, and that's very much Chicago thing as well. Um, sandwiches, pizzas, everything. I mean, Chicago is just a fascinating place. But yeah, you introducing me to Malort was like, I, I love just consuming things from other cultures and areas. And I, I think that's awesome.
1: Yeah. And I mean, for Malort, um, like the thing that I tell people, because yes, I, I have tricked people into doing this before. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> But it's because I, I always feel like, hashtag Malort face brings me joy. Um, and it is one of my favorite things. And like, I'm willing to torture myself, which I don't even think I'm torturing myself because I don't think it actually tastes that bad.
0: Yeah, it, 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 I've tasted worse, but I wasn't expecting <laughs> whatever. I was like, I can't put my thumb on it, to be, to be honest with you, because I'm like, I don't know what's going on in my mouth right now.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I. I don't put it past anyone like it's either you like it or you hate it like that. There's no, there's nothing in the middle. Um, and uh, I just think it's funny. And I, I, just, I love it.
0: It's funny. So we'll end on this. I wasn't going to go here, but it is interesting. Yeah. Is it, so you and I got, got close like going to these conferences together and then staying up and, and getting to know one another and drinking them Lord and God knows what else. But given the proliferation and kind of the recession and who knows where like the future of remote work is gonna be, I do think those bonds, whether it be with peers in the industry or peers at work are really hard to recreate in a virtual space. I was not gonna go here, but here we are. It all comes back to my work. I mean, just given what you see in the near term, I mean, have you cracked the code and how to create those bonds with people in a remote environment? I think so. Uh,
1: I'm a millennial. I'm an introverted millennial, uh, as my uh, personality tests love to tell me that even during COVID and the pandemic, um, I became more introverted, which is like people don't believe me. And I'm like, let me show you my test results. Um, So I'm an INTJ and I just got more introverted since then. So, like, I compared results. Um, But as a millennial who has lived perpetually online since the dawn of the internet like I was in chat rooms in AOL in the yeah. early 90s <laughs> mid 90s like trying to double check my age um but mid 90s um I have friends from way back when since like live journal and all this other stuff like I've I have had personal connections with people on the internet or virtually, since the mid nineties, that I still have friends. I'm still friends with them now. So I think it just really depends on who you are and knowing what your your skill level in the sense of building relationships is. There are people who really have to thrive together, or, or, or like in in a live space. Um, I pre pandemic was in the office five days a week. By choice. Um, after pandemic or whatever whatever realm we're in right now, I find that hybrid is better for me um, so that I can have that introverted time just with my head down and working versus like socializing with people and having meetings in person. But I like both environments. Um, I think for... Gen Z, who's currently coming up, we've seen a lot of them really want that in-person time, but it's partially because the solo, you know, just at home um, environment was forced upon them. So they really do want that in-person uh time and FaceTime with people. And I think that's just like what happens. Um, so I don't think hybrid or remote's ever gonna go hundred percent away, but I think it's also gonna depend on the worker themselves and seeing like what works for them. Cause if they're gonna go into the office every day and hate it, like is that the right space for them or they gotta find something that works better for how they work. Um, and I think it really is gonna depend on, you know, where we go from here in terms of whether companies are going to continue to be like in office or uh if they are going to be like there are people who definitely are more productive remotely
0: i think you know that's the answer right you said it you just fixed it so thank you great job which was i think the answer is people's choice right let people i i mean i mean i'm kind of type a but Every test I take, subsequently, the older I get, the more introvert I get. In COVID, and mm-hmm. number on my introversion uh, to the point now where I, I think I'm I, I'm more introvert than than I ever have been, and probably will only get more so as I get older. So the answer for me is like, yeah, I'm with you. I need, I I need some alone time to be able to kind of reflect and it's, it's not so much a matter of like stimuli, which that plays anymore, mm-hmm. but also just how I like to work. Like I need to sit and think and, and I can't do that with a lot of noise and, and stimuli to, to get me off, off, off track, but also being respected what people's working styles are. And instead of forcing off something on them, let them choose. Mm-hmm. You fixed that. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> Heather Leswitz, fixing work from home conundrum one person at a time. Uh, I, I thank you for joining uh, the podcast today. I, I honestly would just do this. I probably should just tell you like, I didn't actually record. I'm just joking. I just missed you and want to talk to you. But I appreciate <laughs> you spending some time with us. Um, what's the best way to reach out and connect with you? You're actually a, a great follow when you are posting and you do post amazing content. So if I'm new, newer-ish, or even if I'm like a grizzled old veteran in the town brand space, I think they would get a ton of value out of following you. What's the best way to connect?
1: Uh, LinkedIn is probably best if you're looking for employer brand content. Um, I am across all the other platforms. So I'm not really posting there, uh, but you know, I'm always willing to chat with people, and so LinkedIn
2: is probably the best way to get in touch with me.
0: Awesome. Uh, this this job, this industry is a better place because of you. So thank you for that.
2: Thanks for listening to this episode of the How We Interview podcast brought to you by Riambi Head to our website at howweinterview.com to find the show notes and links mentioned in this episode. While you're there, subscribe to the podcast through your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. Leaving us a rating and review also helps us reach more listeners interested in learning from other talent acquisition professionals.